We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Go episode 685 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Wednesday, October 25th, 2023, the day after the Philadelphia Phillies lost game seven of the National League Championship Series at home. And to that, we on the Al Galdi podcast issue the following official statement. <laughs> that is correct. Haha, <laughs> the Phillies who led this NLCS 2-0 end up losing this NLCS in seven games. A 4-2 loss to the Arizona Diamondbacks on Tuesday night. The Diamondbacks in the 2023 regular season went just 84-78, and had a negative run differential, a run differential of minus 15, and yet the Diamondbacks have won the National League pennant. The Diamondbacks and the Texas Rangers, two wildcard teams, will be meeting in the 2023 World Series in the many ex-Nationals on the Phillies. First baseman Bryce Harper, shortstop Trey Turner, D.H. Kyle Schwarber, their season now done. Hello and welcome to this Wednesday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. The commanders are not done with their season. It may feel that way, but that is not the case. Uh, they're only three and four in this regular season, but uh, as we all know, it is a three and four that uh, feels more like three and ten. Uh, coming up on the show, high level film breakdown analysis of the commanders with Commander's Analyst Mark Bullock of Bullock's Film Room, which you can find at markbullock.substack.com. Mark has a lot of good stuff for us this week. He will explain why the Commanders, instead of trading edge defender Chase Young, should be looking to sign Chase to a contract extension. Wait until you hear this. Uh, Mark will give us the truth about what was behind, what was the cause of the six acts, that the Commanders allowed in their 14-7 loss at the New York Giants this past Sunday afternoon. Mark will give us the truth about the game plan of Commanders assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy for that loss at the Giants. Was the game plan as flawed as we thought? Mark will provide a lot of insight on the performance of Commanders quarterback Sam Howell in that loss at the Giants and a lot more. In-depth X's and O's analysis of the Commanders is coming up courtesy 
of Mark Bullock. Uh, but before that, next segment, I do want to address a few commander's items with you, namely some telling and revealing metrics from ESPN regarding commander's receivers and what I believe the commander's plan for the upcoming NFL trade deadline should be. Uh, and also on the show, <laughs> I will talk capitals. I uh, get another rough loss. The Caps retool, not going so well so far. A 4-1 loss to the Toronto Maple Leafs at Capital One Arena on Tuesday night, dropping the Caps to 1-3-1 and in this 2023-2024 NHL regular season. Although winger Alex Ovechkin did finally score a goal, a power play goal, and he had a whopping 14 shots on goal as the Caps dominated the puck possession battle and yet still got routed. Uh, Before we get to some feedback, Liberty Football, the Flames, they remain flaming. Uh, <laughs> yet another win. Liberty improved to 8-0 and overall and 6-0 and in Conference USA with a 42-29 win at Western Kentucky on Tuesday night. The Flames, with this win, clinched a spot in the Conference USA Championship game. We're not even at Halloween, and yet Liberty already has clinched a spot in the Conference USA Championship game. And this in Liberty's first season in Conference USA. Another big game for the Flames quarterback, Caden Salter. He went 10 of 15 for 169 yards, three touchdowns, and no interceptions. Took just one sack, and he had 12 carries for 125 yards and a touchdown when you take out the sack. Uh, Next up for Liberty, home to Louisiana Tech, Saturday evening, November 4th at 6. Uh, Also, bad news for Virginia Tech basketball. Rodney Rice is leaving the program. Rodney Rice, a four-star recruit out of DeMatha Catholic High School in Hyattsville, Maryland. He last season for the Hokies had an injury-plagued freshman season. He did not make his collegiate debut until the Hokies' 82-72 loss at Syracuse this past January 11th. Uh, This due to an ankle injury that he suffered in August 2022, and he then suffered a broken finger on his right hand at the end of practice on January 14th, just three days after his collegiate debut. And uh, now he's leaving the program. You can hit me up on X at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Spencer in Charlottesville, Virginia on the Commanders. Wahoo! Charlottesville. All uh, right, Spencer. First time email, long time listener since you launched the pod. I imagine that the sky is falling once again for Commander's Nation. Two losses in three weeks to one win mash unit teams. I know that there have been a lot of analytics references lately about how the majority of the sacks taken have been on Sam Howell, more so than on the offensive line. But if the analytics propose that that was the case at the Giants, then the analytics are spurious at best. The eye test makes it clear that our offensive line was incapable of doing even an adequate job on Sunday afternoon. Every week we hear about how the opponent is averaging something like a half sack per game, and yet the opponent anticipates planting Sam into the turf all game, and then presto, 
the opponent has doubled its sack total. The most common sight this season is multiple opponent jerseys landing on Sam while Nick Gates, Samuel Cosme, et al. stand there like potted plant bystanders. <laughs> they should all be arrested for criminal negligence. Apparently, a $6.05 billion purchase does not come complete with a functioning offensive line. I know that everyone has been talking about that David Carr statistic, but that is misleading. The real record for sacks allowed is held by the 1986 Philadelphia Eagles, who gave up 104 sacks split between Ron Jaworski and Randall Cunningham. That's 6.5 sacks allowed per game. The next closest team was the 1997 Arizona Cardinals with 78 sacks allowed. With 40 sacks allowed through seven weeks, we are on pace for 97. So we at least have some margin. Instead of Hill to the Commanders, our new fan fight song should be Rihanna's I Hate That I Love You Because I Hate that I keep caring. Thank you for that email, Spencer. Uh, as I talked about on Tuesday's show, episode 684, the pro football focus data does in fact put a majority of the blame for the six sacks in the loss at the Giants on blockers. Uh, per PFF, four of the six sacks of Sam in the game were due to a blocker and the other two sacks were cleanup sacks caused by early pressure. Not a single sack was charged to Sam, although That does come with a caveat. Poor protection calls were a big problem for the commanders in this game. Protection calls can be on a quarterback or on a center. A lot more on all of this in our conversation with Mark Bullock coming up. Email from Sean on the commanders. Right, Sean? It's been a while since I've corresponded with you, Al. I always love the pod and the content that you provide. Uh, Thank you, Sean. Continue, Sean. I had taken the stance that the dragon in the form of Dan Snyder had been slain. The cloud had been lifted. We had got what we wanted. The colonic had worked. (laughs) Sadly, another colonic is needed to complete the cleanse. This coaching staff has to go. The Giants coaching staff thoroughly outcoached and outclassed Washington's. It's not just knowing that the Giants were going to blitz. It was seemingly having nothing schemed to properly combat the blitz. Sam Howell can't really be accused of holding the ball for too long in this game. We faced Three supposed bad pass rushing teams in a row, and yet we made them look like the 85 Bears. Where are the screens, Al? Quick game, RPOs, where are the rollouts to change the launch point for Howell? The commanders in the first half ran just one rollout. I'm not usually for firings and moves just to make moves. However, the general manager search must begin now. Hopefully, that yields a young, offensive-minded, fiery coach. Ron Rivera, salt of the earth human being, he's a terrible coach. He was needed to give this team a public relations shot in the arm and some stability, but it is time for Mr. Cross His Arms to go. (laughs) This team is going to need to be rebuilt again. It's designed to be a defensive team in an offense-led era, and the defense isn't that good. Keep up the great work, Al. I'll be listening. Uh, Thank you for that email, Sean. A lot more on the commander's offensive game plan for the loss at the Giants uh, during our conversation with Mark Bullock. So here's a crazy thought. New England Patriots head coach Bill Belichick, Detroit Lions offensive coordinator Ben Johnson. If I said to you right now, you can pick Bill or Ben to be the commander's head coach next season, who would you pick? Am I nuts for saying that I'd pick Ben? Is that wrong? Is that blasphemous? Bill Belichick, to me, is the greatest head coach in NFL history. But 
He's a head coach with a background primarily in defense. He is an older head coach. He's now 71. Things have not gone so well for him as Patriots head coach without Tom Brady as the QB1. And oh, by the way, the commander's hiring bill, should he become available, almost certainly would require giving him player personnel control. In other words, another coach-centric approach. Raise your hand if you are up for more of the coach-centric approach, especially with Bill's player personnel track record with the Pats uh, not looking so great right now. Ben Johnson, on the other hand, totally unproven as an NFL head coach, but he is Lions offensive coordinator, has done a really nice job. Uh, and he is young. He's just 37. He fits the mold of the current NFL, a young head coach with a background primarily in offense. Now, it is true that this past Sunday afternoon, Bill Belichick's Patriots beat the Buffalo Bills 29-25, and Ben Johnson's Lions got smashed at the Baltimore Ravens 38-6. But let us not be prisoners of the moment. The purpose of this exercise is, yeah, in the current NFL, having an older head coach with a background primarily in defense feels antiquated, so much so that preferring that the commanders hire Ben Johnson as their next head coach instead of Bill Belichick doesn't seem that ridiculous. And regarding having an older head coach with a background primarily in defense feeling antiquated, uh, well, an older head coach with a background primarily in defense. Uh, That is what the commanders have in Ron Rivera. Well, we always hope that what you have in your life is peace. But if you have been harmed by the negligence of someone else, if someone who you care about has been harmed by the negligence of someone else, know that the law firm of Paulson and Nace is there for you. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Paulson and Nace is a Washington, D.C.-based family law firm that handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. Call 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace fights for victims of all kinds of situations, including victims of errors made during diagnosis, during surgery, or with medication, victims of injuries caused by dangerous medications or medical devices, as well as defective auto parts, victims of accidents involving cars, trucks, bikes, or motorcycles, victims of deceptive trade practices, and false advertising. Heck, victims of shady lawyers. If your attorney acts in bad faith, is unethical in his or her counsel, or is negligent in his or her work, you could have a claim for legal malpractice. Paulson and Nace has represented corporate clients throughout the region, and Paulson and Nace has won millions of dollars for clients. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. If you feel that you've been wronged, if you think that you've been wronged but aren't sure, call Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment. Call 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. And when you call, tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. You can also visit PaulsonandNace.com. That's PaulsonandNace.com. Just don't forget to tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Ace, if you have a case, contact Paulson and Ace.
A salute uh, to all of you who have given this podcast a five-star rating and who have written nice reviews of the podcast. You want Apple Podcasts and on Spotify can rate the podcast. Five-star ratings are greatly appreciated, and you want Apple Podcasts can write a review saying that you like the podcast. The review does not have to be long. can be just a sentence or two, but the ratings and the reviews help us out a lot. So thank you very much for doing them. Uh, before we get to our guest, Commander's Analyst Mark Bullock of Bullock's Film Room, which you can find at markbullock.substack.com, I do want to discuss a few commander's items with you. First of all, ESPN's tracking metrics for NFL receivers and tight ends uh, now have a webpage at which you can look at the metrics. You can examine the metrics. Uh, The metrics are based on player tracking data from the NFL's next-gen stats and evaluate every route that a receiver runs and that a tight end runs. Uh, Scoring each player's performance in three phases. Uh, Those three phases are open score, catch score, and yak score, and the grades are on a scale of 0 to 99. On Monday's show, episode 683, talked about Commander's quarterback Sam Howell in the 14-7 loss at the New York Giants this past Sunday afternoon, not being helped out nearly enough by those around him. Sam did not play well in the game, let me make that clear, but he also was plagued by assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy getting outcoached by Giants defensive coordinator Don Wink Martindale. Uh, Sam was plagued by an offensive line that did not have a good game, including committing seven penalties, six of which were accepted. And Sam was plagued by a pass catching core that could have been better. Uh, I counted three drops or at least three catches that realistically could have been made, but were not, including, of course, what happened on the commander's final offensive snap of the game. Fourth and five for the Commanders at the Giants. Seven, receiver Jahan Dotson failed to make the catch on an off-schedule shotgun throw by Sam that, yes, was behind Jahan, but still could have been caught, and the reception would have been for at least a first down. Sam on the play spun away from linebacker slash safety Isaiah Simmons, who came in unblocked. So you can understand why Sam's throw wasn't pinpoint perfect. Uh, Make a play. Help out your young quarterback. Help a brother out. Uh, there's not enough of that happening on the commander's offense right now. Well, these ESPN tracking metrics for NFL receivers and tight ends tell a uh, disturbing story about commanders, receivers, and tight ends this season. There are 109 receivers and tight ends who qualify for the rankings for this regular season. The four commanders who qualify are receivers Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dodson, and Curtis Samuel, and tight end Logan Thomas. Take a listen to their rankings. Uh, Open score. Terry tied for 75th out of 109 qualified players. Jahan tied for 81st out of 109 qualified players. Curtis tied for 85th out of 109 qualified players. Logan tied for 61st out of 109 qualified players. Cat score. Terry fourth out of 109 qualified players. That's outstanding. Jahan (laughs) tied for 101st out of 109 qualified players. That's horrible. Curtis, 10th out of 109 qualified players. That's excellent. Logan tied for 49th out of 109 qualified players. Yak score. Terry tied for 93rd out of 109 qualified players. Not good. Jahan tied for 53rd out of 109 qualified players. Curtis tied for 56th out of 109 qualified players. Logan tied for 20th out of 109 
qualified players. So Terry and Curtis have awesome cat scores. Logan has a really good yak score. But otherwise, these metrics for the commander's top four pass catchers are not so good. And again, these metrics are based on player tracking data. Uh, There's little, if any, subjectivity with this stuff. This stuff is based on these players' movements, these players' actual actions. The commander's offense is not good. The commanders for this regular season through week seven, just 27th out of 32 NFL teams in total offense per DVOA. The offense not being good is about many things, but one of those things is the pass catching core, especially the receiving core not delivering as it was supposed to deliver. Now, I do think that Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel overall are having good seasons, but Jahan Dodson is having a really bad season. Logan Thomas has been all right, but what these ESPN metrics reveal is that all four of these guys can be doing better. I mean, go back to the open scores for the receivers. Out of 109 qualified players, Terry tied for 75th, Jahan tied for 81st, Curtis tied for 85th. These guys are not getting open like they should, like they can. These guys are talented. I do believe that. Uh, Another commander subject that I wanted to hit on is the NFL trade deadline. Uh, It is getting closer. This Tuesday, October 31st at 4 p.m. Eastern. Uh, My stance on how the commander should approach the trade deadline is simple. They right now should be positioning themselves to be aggressive sellers. Uh, If there is a great deal to be had right now, the team should make that deal. We already uh, have seen some trades made. If the commanders lose their game against the Philadelphia Eagles at FedEx Field this Sunday afternoon, the commanders absolutely should be aggressive sellers. I don't even see what the debate would be at that point. If the commanders win their game against the Eagles this Sunday afternoon, uh, I am more open to the team not aggressively selling, but only if the win suggests that things are truly getting better. You know, a prototypical Washington win with Ron Rivera as head coach. A 17-15 type win, Uh, that sort of thing. That would make for a nice sugar high, but that would not fundamentally change anything. Not to me, because we all know the deal with Washington under Ron. It has a penchant for rising to the occasion when facing good teams, but uh, these risings haven't meant much in the bigger picture. If the commanders win convincingly this Sunday afternoon, if the commanders blow out (laughs) the Eagles this Sunday afternoon, then okay, maybe things are coming together. But barring that, the commander's last two losses, the 40-20 loss to the Chicago Bears at FedEx Field on Thursday night football in week five and the 14-7 loss at the New York Giants in week seven, those two losses have told us what this 2023 commander's team is. Not good. Now, there's always the chance of the team getting better as the season goes on, but I'm not betting on that, not with all of the significant commander's players who are set to be unrestricted free agents this coming offseason. And that is a key part of all of this, the abundance of significant commander's players set to be unrestricted free agents this coming offseason. And look, maybe the trade markets for these players are not robust. NFL trade markets are tricky, but you think about edge defenders Montez Sweat and Chase Young, safety Cameron Curl, corner Kendall Fuller, receiver Curtis Samuel, running back Antonio Gibson, even quarterback Jacoby Brissett. It's not unreasonable to think that those guys, all of whom are set to be unrestricted free agents this coming offseason, could fetch the commanders some day three picks in the 2024 NFL draft, maybe even a day two pick or day two picks in the 2024 draft. You never know. Now, all of that said, do I expect 
the commanders to be aggressive sellers. Uh, no, I do not. <laughs> uh, not with the man in charge of commanders player personnel, Ron Rivera, also being the head coach, a head coach who clearly is coaching for his job, although his fate may well already have been sealed. Uh, and that fate, if it has been sealed, would have been sealed by the owner, who is the wild card in all of this. The wild card is the managing partner, Josh Harris, the man who has managing partner of the Philadelphia 76ers greenlit the process. Would Josh order the commanders to be aggressive sellers against the wishes of Ron? Would Josh do that? He could do that. Would he do that? It's a fascinating question. Ain't nobody in the Washington, D.C. area pining for our new commander's owner to meddle in football operations. Not after what we went through with the team's last head owner, but especially if the commanders lose to the Eagles this Sunday afternoon to fall to 3-5 and five in this regular season, including 0-3 in the NFC East. You tell me, how is aggressively selling not the way to go? Well, the way to go if you need fireplace, stove, or chimney work done is Nova Fireplace and Stove. Nova Fireplace and Stove is outstanding. It handles gas fireplace sales, service, and installation, handles gas, electric, and wood stoves, and handles chimney cleaning and repair. If you live in Northern Virginia, stay warm and upgrade the feel and value of your home with Nova Fireplace and Stove. Call Nova Fireplace and Stove at 571-513-3803. Mention that Al Galdi sent you and receive $25 off any service or receive a free vent kit on any in-stock gas insert. Nova Fireplace and Stove, it has been around for more than 20 years. It is run by massive Commanders fans, and it has outstanding professionals. Whatever the work that you need done requires, Nova Fireplace and Stove has. Master gas fitter, master electrician, class A contractor, licensed chimney inspector, and because of this, Nova Fireplace and Stove can complete your project without the need for any subcontractors, and Nova Fireplace and Stove can pull all of the necessary county permits for the work that is being done. Additionally, Nova Fireplace and Stove can perform fireplace and chimney safety inspections. See for yourself the work that Nova Fireplace and Stove can do. It has a showroom in Woodbridge, Virginia, and has a terrific website, NovaFireplaceAndStove.com. And take advantage of the special deal for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Call Nova Fireplace and Stove at 571-513-3803. Mention that Al Galdi sent you and receive $25 off any service or receive a free vent kit on any in-stock gas insert. Join the Nova Fireplace and Stove family and experience the fireplace service and care that you deserve. Call 571 513-3803. That's 571-513-3803. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Well, there are two major components to being a fan of a team. Emotion and analysis. Uh, This podcast deals with both emotion and analysis. Uh, It is time, though, for a PhD level analysis of the commanders. It is time to speak with commanders analyst Mark Bullock 
uh, who this commander season is joining me on the podcast on an every other week basis. Uh, Mark isn't just a commander's analyst. He also is a commander's fan. So he understands both the emotion and the analysis of being a commander's fan. And he does excellent commander's film breakdowns. You can read Mark's work on his Substack, Bullock's Film Room, which you can find at markbullock.substack.com. He has more than two thousand subscribers. He puts up multiple posts per week, and the posts are in-depth film breakdowns with video. Uh, Make yourself a smarter Commanders fan. MarkBullock.substack.com. He has written for The Athletic and for The Washington Post. You can follow Mark on X at MarkBullockNFL. Hey, Mark, how are you? Uh, I'm doing well, thanks. And yourself? Doing well. Uh, better than our football team is doing. Uh, before we get to the X's and O's, as a fan of the Commanders, does it feel to you like Ron Rivera's time as Washington head coach is essentially over? That he may be the head coach for the rest of the team season, and who knows, maybe the team does get hot, but also that the team's last two losses, the 40-20 loss to the Chicago Bears at FedEx Field on Thursday Night Football in Week 5, and the 14-7 loss at the New York Giants in Week 7, were fate-sealing losses for Ron as Washington head coach. Yeah, I think it was always going to kind of be an uphill battle for him. You know, with a new owner coming in, they're probably going to want to install their guys. Josh Harris is going to have an idea of a GM that he's going to want to run the front office and a head coach that he's going to want to run the football side of things. And um, he was always going to have guys in mind that he wanted. And the the timing of the takeover meant that he wasn't going to be able to implement that right away. So it was always going to be kind of a, unless they had gone on this fantastic run and, and Sam Howell looked like he was their franchise quarterback and Rivera took them deep into the playoffs or to the Super Bowl, which was always unlikely. I felt like it was always kind of a, an uphill battle for Rivera, but these last two, two losses um, in games where they should absolutely be winning are kind of a, a damning indictment on the Rivera regime, especially in year four. You, you just can't be losing those games. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, I, as you said, I don't think it's going to happen soon. Um, I, I, I don't really see any point in necessarily firing him at, at this point in the year. I, I think you kind of believe it. Maybe you do it with a game or two left and give, I don't know, the enemy a game or two to see what he can do as the interim. But um, I, I, I certainly think that Come January, come the end of the season, we'll, we'll be seeing a new new regime in Washington. We're now inside of a week until the NFL trade deadline this Tuesday, October 31st at 4 p.m. Eastern. What do you think will happen with the commanders regarding the trade deadline? What do you think should happen with the commanders regarding the trade deadline? Yeah, I think, well, it's ultimately pretty tough for NFL teams to have the kind of fire sales that you see in other sports, like in baseball at the trade deadline or in basketball at the trade deadline. You kind of it, it's not something that happens quite so often in the NFL, um, especially with the salary cap being so strict. And um, you know the the big players that would get moved would be like maybe a, a Jonathan Allen or a Montez Sweat or a Chase Young. Those guys have all got big contracts that are hard for other teams to absorb. So um, it, it's tough to make those kind of moves. I, I think you could certainly make a justification for selling. Um, I, don't, I don't necessarily think they'll go into a full fire sale. If if, if Josh Harris has, has seen enough and been like, okay, this team just needs to be completely rebuilt and Rivera's not done a good enough job here, then 
then if you're going down that full rebuild path, then maybe you go, well, you know, Terry McLaurin's 28, turning 29 soon. Jordan Allen's 29, turning 30. Montez Sweat is turning 28 or 29 soon. Um, maybe you say, these guys are guys that probably by the time we're going to be good, if it's going to take us two or three years to rebuild, they're, they're going to be in their 30s. Um, and then you think we can get some return back for them. Um, but I don't think they're going to go down that route. Um, I, 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 as you said, they've, they've got Rivera and his regime in charge, and, and it doesn't make any sense for those guys to want to sell anyone. Um, so they, um, the, the most likely course of action is probably nothing happens. Maybe they, they opt to trade one of those two defensive ends that are out of contract and, and try to get something back for one of those two. I do think that the commanders should be positioning themselves as aggressive sellers for the NFL trade deadline. But geez, this is not what a lot of us had hoped would be the conversation right now. A lot of us felt like the commanders had at least a decent amount of talent. And yet the team for this regular season is three and four, just one and four since the two and two start and has the fourth worst point differential in the NFC minus 50. What happened here? I mean, did we overestimate the talent? Or has the coaching failed the talent? Uh, I, I don't think we've necessarily overestimated the talent. I think there is a fair amount of talent on this team. Um, I, I think maybe the, I mean, the league is kind of geared towards teams all being in that kind of 500 range. And so every team is going to have a certain amount of talent on them. And, and it takes those extra few percentages from you know really good coaches and really good systems really good schemes or you know really good players um taking step forward and making big plays and and they've they've lacked that um and then obviously they, they've they've come out flat in in games where they just have to beat teams like the bears that were hadn't won a game where the giants had only won one and you know th- this was the easy stretch of their schedule that they, they've played four of the worst five teams in the league so far this year and they're two and two against those teams with a minus 21 point differential so it's just not been good enough um and but i i i still think there's talent on the team um i I just think they they haven't stuck to doing what they do well enough um we haven't seen the offense click and obviously that's going to happen with a young quarterback um defensively they've had a lot of messy mistakes um, and blown coverages and, and such like that, that that lead to explosive plays and then it's tough for them to overcome that. So um, I, I don't think they're lacking talent. Um, I, I would certainly put it that way. I don't think they're lacking talent. I, I, I think they're not necessarily making the most of what they do have. So when it comes to what the commanders should do in relation to the NFL trade deadline, should the thinking be to keep the team together, re-sign key players who are set to be unrestricted free agents this coming offseason, and just get better coaching? Yeah, uh, someone could definitely see it that way. Um, I, I guess it all depends on the, the kind of GM or head coach that they're, they're looking to bring in, how they would see the roster. Um, I, I think certainly you could take an approach of you, you want to hold instead and, and see and evaluate things with a new GM um, and, and you end up running it back with a lot of the same talent with a new defensive coordinator and a new offensive coordinator and, and new systems and, and stuff like that. Um, 
and that could see an uptick in fortunes. Like we've seen teams turn things around quickly. Like Sean McVay went to the Rams and turned things around real quickly there. Um, and, and we've seen plenty of other teams do the same thing. So um, it's not an impossible thing to do. It, it, it's not something that every team has to be like, okay, well, we're tearing everything down and it's going to be another two or three year rebuild. It could be a turnaround that happens quickly, but typically you have a, a quarterback situation that you're pretty happy with in that kind of situation. And I still believe in Sam Howell. I think he's a good prospect, but um and has a lot of potential, but I, will a new GM, new head coach, new offensive coordinator see it the same way? I don't know. I did want to ask you about your post on X on Monday night. Mark put out a very thought-provoking, very hot-stirring post <laughs> regarding edge defender Chase Young. Quote, if I'm the commanders, I wouldn't be trading Chase Young. I'd be looking to extend him. I would consider separating him and Allen. Young and Allen, both best attacking freely with teammates playing off them. Sweat slash pain, good reacting and playing off others. Shift could boost all. And quote, a fascinating and contrarian take. Uh, what's your thinking? Yeah, I think Chase Young is, is showing the the potential that he had as a rookie. He, he's playing really well. Like He doesn't necessarily have the sacks numbers to back it up, although he's up to, what, five sacks now? Um, so he's not exactly doing poorly. Um, but the pressure numbers are, are huge. Um, he's up there with the best defensive ends in the league in terms of the pressure he's generating. Um, he's doing it consistently. He's showing the ability to vary his rushes a lot more than he ever did in the past. Um, and I don't think he's reached the ceiling. Um, so the only real question is, can he stay healthy? And, and so far he has stayed healthy and, and that knee doesn't seem to be bothering him. He's, he seems to be back to the explosive Chase Young we saw in his rookie year. Um, and in that situation, why wouldn't you extend him? He's only 24. He'll be 25 at some point next year. If you give him that kind of typical four or five year contract, that takes him to, he's, he's still not even 30 by the end of that. So you're, you'd be tying him down for potentially his best years and he, he could still develop into this, you know, game-changing defensive end that we all thought he could be when, when he was taking second overall. So for me, that would be the guy out of, out of the Montez Sweat, Chase Young kind of debate. Montez Sweat is more consistently available because of, you know, he's not been injured. He's, he's probably a more consistent player in that he can play to kind of a, a B, B-plus level um, consistently throughout a game. But I, I don't think he's ever going to be that A, A-plus pass rusher that dominates consistently. He's always going to be kind of playing second fiddle to someone else, I think. And he's a very good player, don't get me wrong, but I think Chase Young has the ability to be one of the best defensive ends in the league um, for a long period of time. So I would take the younger guy with the higher upside than the, you know, Montez Sweat, I think he's 27, 28. And by the, by the time he's reaching the end of that contract, he's in his 30s and probably on the downside of his career. So, um, yeah, I, I just think in terms of a future investment, Chase Young makes more sense to me. And the back half of that post on X saying that you would want to separate Chase Young from interior defensive lineman Jonathan Allen. Explain that if you would. Yeah, so the way the commanders pretty much always always line up is they have Montez Sweat over the left over the right tackle, 
Jerome Payne inside of him, Chase Young over the left tackle, and uh, Jonathan Allen inside of him. So it's always Allen and, and Young on one side and Payne and Sweat on the other. Now, Allen and, and Young are, are their best two players, so you typically want those best two players rushing at the blind side of the quarterback. But those two are best when they are allowed to work their either side of their player. And quite often, not quite often, but occasionally it can lead to them both ending up in the same gap and kind of allowing it to be easier for the offense to block them. Um, whereas on, on the other side, Deron Payne and Montez Sweat are both players that are very good at reacting to another rusher alongside them. You see them running quite a lot of stunts and, and running them quite successfully um, because they're both good at reacting to, like if Sweat dives inside, Deron Payne's really good at looping around him and containing the edge. Um, or if if Payne does the same, Montez Sweat is, is good at reacting off of that and, and looping inside. So they, they react well off of each other, whereas the other two are better attacking first and, and letting other players react off them. So my thought is if you switch Allen and Payne, you move Allen to sweat side and you move Payne to the young side, then Allen's allowed to attack more freely and, and sweat can adjust off of him and Chase Young can attack more freely and Deron Payne can adjust off him. And then you're probably getting a little bit more even pressure from either side of the line to try and collapse those pockets and, and keep quarterbacks contained inside. While we're talking Chase Young, what do you make of him so often being in a two-point stance? Yeah, I, I think that's just a personal preference thing. Um, it, it doesn't really make too much of a difference um, to the scheme. Like you, you can have the guy stand up or put his hand in the dirt. Um, it, it really doesn't matter as long as he's in the right um, alignment in terms of his angles to the pass rusher, uh, his angles to the tackle and to the to the quarterback. So um, it doesn't really make much of a difference. So I'm guessing it's just a personal preference. Much more with Mark Bullock in moments. We're going to next go in-depth on the latest batch of sacks allowed by the commanders. Who slash what was most to blame? Uh, there are plenty fantasy sports apps and sites that are to blame for not being very good, but very good is Underdog Fantasy, the no-stress, no-hassle, fun way to play fantasy sports. Underdog Fantasy is the best and easiest place to play fantasy sports, and it is offering a limited-time enhanced special offer for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast, a deposit match of up to $500 for all new customers who sign up with the promo code Galdi, my last name, G-A-L-D-I, Galdi. Check out underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app. Underdog Fantasy offers a pick'em games by which you can win up to 20 times on your money in one day and offers a pick'em insurance, which gives you a little wiggle room if you're not as confident in an entry. And when it comes to season-long fantasy, Underdog Fantasy offers a zero-stress scenario of no waivers, no trades, even no lineup setting. We all know that playing fantasy sports can be really time-consuming. Well, Underdog Fantasy removes the time consumption but keeps the fun and the potential to win money and take advantage of the free money if you sign up now with the promo code GALDI. My last name, G-A-L-D-I, GALDI, Underdog Fantasy, will double your first deposit with up to $500 in bonus cash when you make your first deposit of at least $10. So if you deposit $500, you get $500 for free. That's Underdog Fantasy, promo code GALDI. Check out underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app 
and use the promo code GALDI. Must be 18 or older, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, 21 or older in Massachusetts and Arizona, and must be present in a state in which underdog fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit ncpgambling.org. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY. And in Tennessee, call 1-800-889-9789. More now with Commander's Analyst Mark Bullock. You can read Mark's terrific work on his Substack, Bullock's Film Room, which you can find at markbullock.substack.com. So, the sacks. Uh, The Commanders in their loss at the Giants this past Sunday afternoon allowed six more sacks. Uh, Quarterback Sam Howell for this regular season has been sacked in NFL worst 40 times. What seemed to be the case was that this sack-laden game for the Commander's offense was not mostly a function of Sam's decision-making on dropbacks taking too long, as has been the case in other games. Uh, Sam this past Sunday afternoon was under constant and very quick pressure, and so the offensive line play has come up. The play calling of assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy has come up. The protection calls have come up. You on your Substack on Monday put out a breakdown of the six sacks. What jumped out at you in studying the six sacks? Yeah, so the the sacks... The thing we've seen with Sam Howell this year has been a lot of the sacks that he's taken has been as a result of him holding onto the ball for too long. And he's either waiting for a receiver to come open down the field or he's a little bit uncertain of a receiver making a break and he just holds the ball for a tick too long and that allows pressure to arrive. Um, That wasn't necessarily the case quite so often in this game. uh, obviously, he still took a high number of sacks, but the sacks came as a result of a different problem. Um, some of that was just the offensive line struggled. Nick Gates and, and Sadiq Charles really struggled passing off stunts, and and the Giants have some pretty good defensive tackles on the on the inside that that caused those guys some issues. Like Dexter Lawrence gave Nick Gates fits throughout the game, um, and he'll do that to a lot of people. He's one of the better young defensive tackles in the league, so. Um, so that was some of the issue. Um, but the, the biggest, most consistent issue to me was that Washington was consistently overloaded by the blitzes and they weren't, they had, the protection plan itself was okay in that they consistently had the right number of blockers in to protect. So in theory, they always had, if there was five rushers, they always had five blockers or six blockers. If there was a six blitzer from the Giants, there was always six or seven blockers in to protect. So in theory, the commanders always had enough players in to pick up whatever blitz the Giants were sending at them, uh, unless it was a cover zero, which is a schematic thing that you can't account for. But in in general, they, they, they had the right numbers. The problem was that they weren't sending them the right way. Um, and, and quite often the, the Giants would show a blitz off one side and the line would slide that way, but the blitz would come the other way and that would leave them overloaded um, and Howell would get sacked. So um, the question then becomes, who's, that, who's responsible for, for setting those protections? And a lot of the time it's the quarterback. Sometimes it's the center. It's it's very much a, a team preference. Um, and, and some teams like their, their center to take charge of that with a young quarterback. Some teams give it all to the quarterback if, it, uh, if they feel they're comfortable in doing that. Um, some teams kind of have a mix where the center takes charge, but the quarterback has the ability to overrule. Um, I, I would guess 
the commanders are probably in that latter category where they they would like the veteran and Nick Gates to be able to take charge. But if Hal sees something, he's able to overrule it. Um, so it, it's hard to know exactly where to lay blame for that. But I I, I feel like that was where the, their main issue was: is that the enemy called plays where they were keeping running backs in to protect tight ends were staying in to chip, if not just fully block. Uh, they quite often had max protection plays called. Uh, they just didn't have the guys going in the right direction. And, and that was the issue. I did not like the game that Eric the called early in the loss at the Giants, but did Eric in fact call a better game than he's being given credit for? He definitely could have done a better job. Like the, the offense, when, when the offense scores seven points in the game, uh, everyone has a hand in that, and everyone can do better. Um, and obviously, there's there's questions about could he have run the ball more? Yes. Could he have called some more quick game stuff to try to get the ball out quicker? Yes. Um, and but we'll get in, into that a little bit more when we talk about how. Um, but there, as I say, that in terms of the protection stuff. The enemy can't know exactly what the the defense is going to send on any given play. He can call a protection and give the quarterback and the center six guys to block or seven guys staying in to block and help the protection. He can give as much help as he as he can, but he can't force the quarterback to slide the the protection the correct way. That that's on on the guys at the line of scrimmage at the time. Um, so um, I, I don't think as much blame goes on the enemy as as necessarily fans are, are doing right now, but um, when you score seven points and that's it against a, a team like the Giants that have been terrible so far this year, uh, everyone's got a part to blame in that. All six of the sacks that the Commanders allowed in the loss at the Giants came over the Commanders' first nine offensive drives, but the final five offensive drives were better, in part because of more moving pockets. Sam Howell had multiple shotgun sprint-out completions, including a third-quarter, fourth-and-one, eight-yard shotgun sprint-out completion to receiver Jahan Dotson. Why didn't we see more sprint-out throws earlier in the game? And what about play-action boots? Why are we seeing so few play-action boots from Eric Bieniemy's commander's offense. Again, the idea being more moving pockets given the sack problem. Well, the the sprint stuff is a very limiting style of play. It, it's it's certainly something we can use early to get howl and rhythm, and, and we've seen like in the Eagles game when when the offense really clicked, they did call a few of those kind of plays early on. Um, but it, it's kind of a thing that typically they're reserved for short yardage situations. As you talked about, they got that fourth down conversion on, on that. Um, they got a couple of third down, I think, third down conversions or some second and shorts and stuff like that. Um, but it very much limits what you can do as an offense because the quarterback's sprinting out to one side of the field. So it very much cuts the field in half. And he's only really ever got two options. And it's so it's only two receivers available to him. So it does kind of limit exactly what you can do. But it certainly is an option to get a quarterback in a rhythm. Um, and, and they have used it at times, uh, but nowhere near as heavily as they did in that second half. Um, with the boots, I kind of agree with you. They, they definitely could run those more. Um, and they, they kind of have with the last few weeks when we've seen them try to feed Terry McLaurin early. One of the ways they've done that is by having him kind of replace what a tight end would normally do on those boots where they sift out to the flat and, and they have that quick dump off into the flat and, and let McLaurin run after the catch with it. Um, so they've done a bit of it, but when you're not running the ball that often, you're not setting up the, 
play action pass. Um, and so you're not giving the defense anything to, to bite on. Um, if they don't believe you're going to run the ball, then that backside defensive end that you're trying to get to bite down on the run and, and have the quarterback run past them, then suddenly stops and holds his position and the quarterback's rushed into a, hur- a hurried throw. So um, if you're not running the ball and the defense doesn't think you're going to run the ball, then the boots don't become anywhere near as effective. You on your Substack on Tuesday put out a piece in which you evaluate Sam Howell's overall performance in the loss at the Giants. What jumped out at you? Yeah, I thought um, there was quite a lot to that performance that there were some positives in that there was plays where his decision-making was correct, but his execution was poor. Um, there were there was plays where his... You know, we saw some explosive shots down the field to Terry McLaurin, which were very good. He had some really nice throws throughout the game, but he also seemed quite rattled by the pressure that that the Giants threw at him. And I think that was particularly obvious in that first half where he was missing throws that he should be making very easily. And and I think we saw that the second drive of the game, they, they started with a quick hitch to Curtis Samuel. Um, and we talked a minute ago about, you know, the play calling with the enemy and not calling enough quick game stuff. There were examples of quick game calls early in that first half. And that was one of them where they had that quick hitch to Curtis Samuel and Hal just missed the throw. Um, so there's not really too much the enemy can do at that point. Um, then there was another one um, in, early in the second quarter where they called double slants on one side um, and Sam Howell had Cole Turner running a, a slant from the slot wide open easy throw it, it, it couldn't be simpler for him to just catch rock and throw that ball for whatever reason he didn't like the look and he didn't throw it um, and that delayed and, and that allowed the defense to get pressure on him and then he ended up scrambling and having a positive play but you don't want him to take pressure and have to scramble you want him to be able to throw the ball in rhythm and again there was another quick game throw that was called that he didn't take advantage of so um there was some yeah that i think he was rattled early by it by the pressure that the and all the different things the giants were throwing at him and i think that is at least somewhat natural for a young quarterback um that hasn't seen a lot and he certainly hasn't seen a game plan like that before um, and, and, and Wink Martindale is, is known for sending a lot at young quarterbacks and, and trying to force them to handle protections. And, and obviously that was a that was a thing that took how not necessarily by surprise, but he wasn't able to handle it well. Um, and as you say, one, once they got to kind of midway through the third quarter and into the fourth quarter, I think you could see that he was growing in confidence in understanding where the blitzes were coming from and he started to correctly identify some of those and adjust the protections to slide them the right way and then they started to get picked up and that's when you saw the production in terms of moving the ball uh, more consistently that's what that's when we saw that start to occur so um if there is a positive to take is that Hal did eventually start to learn a lesson there in terms of identifying blitzes and, and adjusting the protection to get them picked up um Obviously, ideally, that doesn't take three quarters to happen. Um, <laughs> that, that happens a lot earlier in the game. But um, if you're looking for sort of scraping the barrel for positives, that's that's possibly one. 
The commander situation at running back, key late game carries for Chris Rodriguez Jr. in the loss at the Giants. Seeing the game played on just nine of the commander's offensive snaps as compared to Brian Robinson Jr. playing on 34, and yet Rodriguez had seven carries versus Robinson having eight. Now, the sample size for Rodriguez this regular season is small, but he is outdoing Robinson in a variety of metrics, yards per carry, rushing, DVOA, success rate. What do you make of Rodriguez getting those carries on that final commander's offensive drive on Sunday afternoon? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I definitely noticed that you know Rodriguez kind of took over, almost took over as the, the main back at, at that point. I don't know whether Robinson had some sort of injury that we don't know about or or what, but um, eva- when I when I was evaluating Robinson after the draft, sorry, Rodriguez after the draft, he was a much more comfortable zone runner than Brian Robinson was when when he came out of, of the drafts a few years ago. So perhaps there's something in just the the type of runs they want to run. This offensive line is is a young athletic offensive line which is suited to to zone scheme. Um, and so perhaps they feel like Rodriguez is a better fit for the kind of zone runs that they, they wanted to run at that point in the game. Um, but I, I, it's hard to know exactly. I, it, it's, it certainly felt odd because Brian Robinson, it's not like Brian Robinson hasn't been productive. Um, when they have given him opportunities, he's ran well. Um, you know, he, he ran in the touchdown that they did have and, Oddly enough, that was on his own run scheme, so it's not like he can't run zone. Um, but I think Rodriguez is probably a more natural zone runner and, and feels out those type of plays a lot better than Robinson does, um, where, where Robinson's kind of a, a gap scheme runner and, and understands gap scheme stuff a, a little bit better. Um, so perhaps it was just a situa- situational thing where they thought, at this point in the game, we feel like we want our guy that's better with his own stuff. To, to run zone scheme in there, um, or maybe it was an injury thing, I don't know. Um, it's certainly something I'll be keeping an eye on going forward, um, the, the kind of splits between those two. Um, but I, I don't have a, a clear and obvious answer for you. The great Mark Bullock. Do yourself a favor. Check out his work on his Substack, Bullock's Film Room, which you can find at markbullock.substack.com. And follow him on X. You never know what he's going to post on X uh, at Mark Bullock NFL. Uh, Mark, one of these days I'd like to talk to you after a commander's win, but uh, such is life. Anyway, thanks a lot, and we'll talk soon. Yeah, thanks, man. Good to see you. Well, the commanders right now have uh, quite a few problems, but if one of those problems is skincare, then the solution is obvious. Coaches and players should go to calderalab.com and use the promo code GALDI. I mean, if Sam Howell is having an issue with skincare, let's at least take that issue off his plate. Sam, go to calderalab.com and use the promo code GALDI. Caldera Lab is the best in the skincare game. Join the 100,000 men who trust Caldera Lab to show your best self. Plus, Caldera Lab makes for a great gift. Look, if you're a guy and you're like me, you don't know much <laughs> about skincare, but Caldera Lab Make skincare for guys easy. The Caldera Lab regimen includes three products, the Clean Slate, the Base Layer, and the Good. Uh, The Clean Slate is a face wash that starts and ends your day and leaves all skin types refreshed. The Base Layer is your daily moisturizer to hydrate your skin and jumpstart your day full of confidence. And the Good 
is your go-to multifunctional serum at night that helps your skin look tighter and smoother, as well as helps reduce the visibility of wrinkles and fine lines. Every drop of this serum is packed with 3.4 million antioxidant units protecting your skin. One minute each morning and one minute each night. That's all that it takes to reduce your wrinkles, fine lines, and signs of aging. You will be looking like a million bucks. And here's a special deal for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Go to calderalab.com. Caldera is spelled C-A-L-D-E-R-A. Calderalab.com. And use the promo code GALDI, G-A-L-D-I, my last name, GALDI, to get 20% off. That's calderalab.com, promo code GALDI, for 20% off. Show your best self or make an unforgettable impression with a great gift and take advantage of this offer. Calderalab.com, promo code GALDI, for 20% off. That's calderalab.com, promo code GALDI, for 20% off. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, we all love the NFL, and we all love pizza. So make Little Caesars part of your NFL game day. Little Caesars is the official pizza sponsor of the NFL. Order online during Little Caesars Pizza Pizza pregame, which is one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day Sunday. You can pick your favorite Little Caesars pizza. You can pick the toppings that you crave, kind of like picking players for your fantasy team, only with Little Caesars pizza you never lose. And Little Caesars offers convenient delivery as well as the in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the game. Little Caesars Pizza Pizza. Well, the Capitals on Tuesday night had the first of two games on back-to-back days for the first time in this 2023-2024 NHL regular season. And the two games are against two teams that are what the Caps are trying to become again via their retool. Uh, Young, fast, promising, exciting. Tuesday night, home to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Wednesday night at the New Jersey Devils, whose managing partner, of course, is Commander's managing partner, Josh Harris. Well, the result on Tuesday night was that good. The Caps fell to 1-3-1 in this regular season with a 4-1 loss to the Maple Leafs at Capital One Arena. Yet another blowout loss for the Caps. They and their four losses have been outscored by a combined score of 17-4. Not good. 
Uh, the Caps on Tuesday night were down in the second period for nothing. So the Caps now have trailed by a score of at least two nothing in all five of the team's games this regular season. And what was odd about this loss was that the Caps got ripped by that final score of 4-1 despite dominating the puck possession battle. The Caps for the game had 37 shots on goal to the Maple Leafs 17. The Caps for the game per natural stat trick had 44 5-on-5 shot attempts to the Maple Leafs 31. The Caps generated plenty of chances and limited the Maple Leafs chances and still got ripped. This was Caps head coach Spencer Carberry during his post-game press conference on Tuesday night. It's the same old story. We're finding ways to lose hockey games. And that, in the National Hockey League, like you have to figure it. You can do all the good things you want structurally. There's a lot of good things that are going on, no question. We did. Um, but at the end of the day, if, if we want to be a, um, a good team in this league, you got to find ways to win as opposed to finding ways to lose. Very true. Uh, Spencer Carberry was an assistant coach for the Maple Leafs from July 2021 to this past May, so he knows the Leafs well. Uh, part of why the Caps lost on Tuesday night was goaltending. Darcy Kemper was the Caps' starting goaltender. He was not good. He stopped just 13 of the 17 shots on goal that he faced. Kemper, per natural stat trick, stopped five of the six high-danger shots on goal that he faced, uh, but stopped just two of the five medium-danger shots on goal that he faced. Uh, the Caps went just one of three on the penalty kill, gave up two power play goals. Boy, the Caps' penalty kill has been really bad. The Caps have allowed at least one power play goal in all five of the team's games this regular season. Not helping the penalty kill is center Nick Down remaining out due to an upper body injury. Also still out, the Caps' backup goaltender, Charlie Lindgren. Uh, this due to having gotten injured during the Caps' morning skate on October 16th. The Caps' backup goaltender for Tuesday night was Hunter Shepard. The Caps on Tuesday morning announced that they had recalled Shepard from their AHL affiliate, the Hershey Bears, and had lone goaltender Clay Stevenson to Hershey. The Caps on October 16th had recalled Stevenson from Hershey for a second time in four days. The bright spot for the Caps on Tuesday night, they scored a power play goal for the first time this regular season. And that goal was by top line left wing Alex Ovechkin for his first goal of this regular season. Yes, Ovi finally has scored a goal. Uh, Ovi scored 19-49 into the second period on a shot from just in front of the right goal post off a nice pass from defenseman John Carlson from the high slot. Uh, the goal was Ovechkin's 300th career regular season power play goal. He already was the NHL's all-time leader in regular season power play goals. He now is the first player in the history of the league with at least 300 career regular season power play goals. And how about the game that Ovi had on Tuesday night? He had a game-high 14 shots on goal and had a game-high 17 total shot attempts. 14 shots on goal, 17 total shot attempts. Those are staggering totals. And yet, the Caps lost 4-1. But this was Spencer Carberry during his post-game press conference on Tuesday night on Alex Ovechkin. Yeah, he looked different tonight. Even another gear, like he was attacking all night. He he was not uh, deferring at all. So you could tell that early, especially that first power play. Like it, it was coming to the cage today, and and that was part of our game plan to to attack them, try to put them on our heels. Um, so he set the tone in there. We we just couldn't find a way to um, to get one early or get that game tied to to change it, and then they make a few plays, and it's uh, we're chasing it. 
Yes, you were. Uh, next up for the Caps at the Devils, Wednesday night at 7.30. Hey, if you are looking to get tickets to a Caps game or a Commander's game or a Wizards game as their regular season will begin on Wednesday night or whatever, download the Game Time app and use the promo code ALGALDI for $20 off your first purchase. When it comes to buying tickets for sports, music, comedy, and theater, the way to go is with the Game Time app. GameTime offers great deals on last-minute tickets and has a best price guarantee, so you don't have to worry if you're truly going about getting tickets in the best possible way. You see, the GameTime guarantee means that you'll always get the best price because if you find tickets in the same section and row for less, GameTime will credit you 110% of the difference. What's also great about GameTime is how easy it makes searching for tickets. You can search by team, venue, or artist. I was just on GameTime looking at tickets for Commander's Games, a lot of good deals, and the seating chart next to the listed tickets made figuring out what exactly I'd be getting easy. Also, GameTime is the app For last-minute ticket deals, you don't have to plan months in advance. GameTime has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. GameTime also offers flash deals on tickets, and tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through your email. GameTime is the fastest-growing ticketing app in the country. Find out why. Get the tickets without the stress with GameTime, which is offering a special deal for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Here's what you do. Download the GameTime app. Create an account and use the promo code ALGALDI for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply, but download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the promo code ALGALDI for $20 off your first purchase. Download the GameTime app today and use that promo code ALGALDI. GameTime, last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can hit me up on X at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Thursday show, episode 686. We'll provide you with more on the commanders as they on Wednesday are beginning their practice week for their game against the Philadelphia Eagles at FedEx Field this Sunday afternoon at 1. We on Wednesday expect to hear from both head coach Rod Rivera and quarterback Sam Howell via press conferences. Also on Thursday show, we'll talk Wizards and Capitals. The Wizards regular season opener is on on Wednesday night, Wizards at the Indiana Pacers, Wednesday night at 7. The Caps are at the New Jersey Devils, Wednesday night at 7.30. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, and I'll talk to you on Thursday. <laughs> Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website 
are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.